All right, well, this is, we're into lesson six of our Godly Women curriculum. This is part two of our famous uh, nasty woman in the Bible, Jezebel. We all know we don't want to be labeled a Jezebel. We don't want to be called a Jezebel. As we mentioned last week, even the world recognizes the term Jezebel as bad. And the world doesn't recognize much bad as bad. So we know if they're calling it bad, that it really is bad. <laughs> if, they, if they can actually say this is a bad thing, then it really truly is a bad thing. They call a lot of bad things good, but this one they happen to call bad. So we know uh, just for, for that in and of itself, we would want to avoid and steer clear of it. As we mentioned last Sunday, this curriculum is written in these two parts for us to hear and study every scripture that's written on Jezebel. So when we get through with today, we'll have studied all, all of the, the Bible has to mention about Jezebel. Um, and uh, our curriculum starts out, says that she's the most wicked woman in the Bible, Bible history, Jezebel. Her name has become synonymous with control, manipulation, and rebellion. Let us continue our study of her attributes. And again, even the world is calling, calling her ugly. We know we want to stay far from control, manipulation, and rebellion. We know those are ugly words for Christian women. Uh, you know, they're ugly words for carnal women, but they don't know any better because their father's the devil. Our father is the Lord, you know, God Almighty, and we want to submit to him and his ways. So um, our first scripture that we're going to look at is 1 Kings 21, 5, 11 through 14. And it starts out, but Jezebel, his wife, this is, let me just tell you, this is about King Ahab. Uh, and King Ahab has been looking at his neighbor's vineyard before all of this. And he decided he wanted this vineyard. He liked it. He wanted to have it. So he went to the neighbor and said, neighbor, can I buy your vineyard? He says, no. Can I trade you something for your vineyard? He says, no. Can I have your vineyard? No. Can I give you more than what it's worth? The neighbor says, no, you can't have it. So he comes home and he's pouting right now. So that's where we pick up with this. Jezebel sees him pouting. She says, said unto him, why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? Because he said, I'm not even going to eat. I'm just going to lay here and sulk because I can't have what I want. So, and he says unto her, because I spake unto Naboth, the neighbor, the Jezreelite, and said unto him, give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? You know, she's saying, you know, aren't you the king? Aren't you the one in charge here? And then we see immediately she goes to bossing him. She says, Arise and eat bread and let thine heart be merry. She says, I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Now, didn't she just call him the king? Didn't she just say, honey, aren't you the one in charge? So get up and be happy, and I'll do this for you. I'll make this happen for you. So we see some, some issues right there. She says, I'll do this. It goes on to say, she wrote letters in Ahab's name. We see right there she's taking his authority and stealing it. She's writing letters in her husband's name and sealed them with his seal. So not only did she sign his name, she put his official kingly stamp on there that says, the king has said. So she forged his name, and she forged his kingship, and sent letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. 
And she wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and set Naboth on high among the people, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him to be a witness against him. So right there, she, she's telling people to lie. She's telling God's people to lie. She's stolen her husband's authority, stolen the king's seal, and she's telling people to lie. Set these people to be witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. We see that this Jezebel has no regard for anyone but herself and what she wants. She's asking men to lie and have someone killed who is innocent. Goes on to say, And the men of his city, even the elders and the nobles, who were the inhabitants in this city, did as Jezebel said unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and dead. Now let me ask you, if these letters came to them in the name of the king with the king's seal, why did they respond to Jezebel? This isn't the first time she's done this. This isn't the first time she's stolen authority and put on paper, put in writing, you know, commanded what she wanted to have done. The people knew that. These men knew that because they didn't respond to Ahab. They responded to her. You know, and you can ask why, why did she do that? You know, maybe Ahab goes to people in person. He doesn't send letters which Jezebel's like to do because they don't have confrontation. She didn't have to be face-to-face -face with these men to say, I'm lying. You know, she could sneak and hide behind a piece of paper. Today, we would sneak and hide behind an email or a text message. We wouldn't go straight to the source, which is what she wasn't doing. You know, so maybe they knew that, or maybe they knew that because it was so wicked, such a wicked order, they knew it had to come from Jezebel. Because as we studied last Sunday, she doesn't have a walk with God. You know, she doesn't walk with him on a daily basis. She doesn't fear God. She doesn't reverence the king. So maybe they knew for that reason. But for whatever reason, they knew that this came, these orders came from Jezebel. You know, and, and today, in today's world, we have to be careful. I think as Americans, Pastor Chris and I were talking last night, that sometimes we really do think that we're submitted because we obey and we do and we have a good heart, you know, maybe about 80% 80, 80 of what we're told to do or 90% of what we're told to do. But if we can't submit to all authority and respect all authority, then we're not submitted individuals. We don't have respect for authority because in a sense, that's you picking and choosing what you want to submit to. Well, I'll be submitted as long as I like it. Well, that's not submission, that's agreement. You know, and, and, and in this case, Naboth, you know, he was the authority over that vineyard. She didn't like that. She didn't want to submit to that no. So she took matters into her own hand and decided, I'm not going to submit to that no. We find with Jezebel, she doesn't submit to anyone. But, you know, for us, we have to make sure that our heart is okay to hear no. That our heart is just as happy, like Pastor Chris says, to hear a no as it is to hear a yes. Because either way, we get to serve God. When we hear the no, our flesh doesn't get to do what it wants to do, and that's where we find the rub. Because if our flesh is more in control, then our flesh is going to do what it wants to do, just like Jezebel's did here. And, and we see in this example that it didn't matter the cost to other people. She did not care one bit that she was having an innocent man slain. 
all she could see was that I was told no and I want it to be yes. So I'm going to make that no into a yes. And, and I, Pastor and I were talking last night. She, you never find her in these scriptures even caring about what her husband is doing. She, she's not a helpmeet to him. You know, so, but because he was told no, she took that personally and said, well, I've got to rise up and do something because no is unacceptable in this house. Even for a man that she, you know, we don't see her really tending to, caring for, or even thinking about the rest of the scriptures that we study. But because a no was involved, her flesh said, uh-uh, we are making this a yes. No regard to anyone else. And, and in modern times, you know, we're not going to kill someone. But what we could do is slay our checkbook, slay the budget that your husband has created. You know, you could uh, slay God's house by not allowing your husband to, to serve. You know, just anything that you could be told no about. You know, you want a new dress. Honey, we can't afford that. You want a new car. Honey, that's not in our budget. You know, in six months when this is paid off, we'll start saving for a car. Well, a Jezebel is not going to like to hear that no. And, and, you know, she'll start to use manipulation and her words and her emotions and whatever tactics she has to use to get that no turned to a yes. And again, not thinking about anyone but herself and satisfying what she wants. We have to be very careful of that because we know, we mentioned last Sunday, that sometimes what we want is not the right thing. Sometimes what we want can actually hurt us, hurt our families, hurt our job, you know, hurt our place in the kingdom of God. You know, we've, we've seen it with ministers, you know, men and women want to be in the pulpit so bad that that may not be what you need right now. So we have to be careful that we're submitted to our leadership and we can take that no, even when we take it, you know, personally, when it comes no against our family. You know, and as women, sometimes we can take it personally when it comes against our family. Our kids, someone tells your child no, you have to be okay with that because you still are submitting to God when you answer that no. So let's look at point number one here. It says, Jezebel again resorts to sending letters and not appearing in person. Modern Jezebels are bold from behind the scenes, but never in person. And we did touch on that last week, how you, know, you can have a lot of authority around people that you feel are equal to you or lesser to you, but you don't want to stand up to confrontation. We said here, uh, Jezebels would never speak to the pastor the way they speak to their husband. You know, we touched on that last week, that if you will run your husband down and yell at him, but you won't do that to the pastor, you know, that's really just you putting camouflage on to come to the house of God. You know, you're hiding behind what you know is the right thing to do and say, the right way to act, rather than dealing with your heart and getting that changed. You know, our husband is our, our seat of authority. He is our kingship at home if we're married. And we don't have a right as wives to talk to him any way we want to. You know, we have to, it's an office on his life. Yes, he's your best friend. Yes, he's the one you go to for comfort. And, you know, yes, you're intimate together. But he's still your authority at home. And you don't have a right to talk to him any way that you want to. You know, you don't have a right to manipulate his no into a yes. That's wicked. So, you know, and Jezebels uh, typically are based on fear and insecurity. They don't have a walk with God themselves. 
No, because when you walk with God, you're going to know who you are in him and you'll be confident in yourself in the Lord. You won't have to resort to manipulation and conniving because you'll trust God. But if you're not walking with God, and I think we've seen that in every lesson that it's critically important for us as women of God to have a daily walk with God, not just coming to church, not just listening in Sunday school and taking notes during church, but truly walking with God on a daily basis and knowing him for yourself, knowing that he's the one that you can go to, that he's the one that you can rely on no matter what. If you don't have that, then you have to resort to your flesh. And that gets us in trouble. So we want to make sure we're not just camouflaging our heart when we come to church or we get around other Christians, but we're actually dealing with it at home. And that will happen in our time with God. So point number two says Jezebel had no authority of her own, so she stole her husband's. Jezebel illegally spoke from her husband's office, and we can see that from the scripture. Modern Jezebels are comfortable using stolen authority. You know, when you steal authority, you, you don't have the right to be in that position, so you're going to fall. Just like Satan did, he wasn't created to be God, but he wanted to be God, and he fell. You know, we as women aren't designed to be the head of our home or in the church, the pastor, or to run things on our job if, if you're a worker. And when we get that, when we steal that authority, it ends up hurting us and costing us. We'll see it did Jezebel the same. So modern Jezebels are comfortable using stolen authority. They are experienced at it. They, have in, uh, they invoke the name of authority when authority has not spoken. They speak for authority with authority's name, just like she did. She put her husband's name on it, the king's seal. They have lost fear of sitting in the king's seat. And that's something I think Pastor Chris is teaching on the sin of familiarity can really help us as women, that because with your husband, you're, you're with him on a daily basis. You know, so you think he can't be the king. You know, I pick up his dirty underwear. I pick up his dirty socks. What do you mean I have to submit to him? I see all of his mistakes. We have to make sure that that doesn't become common to us because he still is the head of your home. He still is the head of your home, and we can't lose sight of that. That He's authorized to, to hear from God for the house. We'll see some more of that here in a little bit, but... We, we just have to make sure that it doesn't become common and trash for us and, and that we don't lose honor for God's hierarchy of command. You know, and the first point of God's hierarchy command is that we're submitted to God. You know, so in this, we're not saying, you know, submit to your husband if he says, honey, get a ski mask, we're going to rob the bank tomorrow. You know, we don't submit to stuff that violates scripture. We submit to God first and our husband. You know, so if your husband is saying, I want you to take the trash out on Tuesdays. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to take the trash out on Thursdays because that's what you want. But even little things like that, we get set in our ways and we want to do it our way. So if, if, it, if your leadership, your husband, your boss, your pastor, your department head is asking you to do something that it is not violating scripture, just do it. You know, so we don't blindly just submit into sin and drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, but we're submitted first to God, and then everything else just doesn't matter. We just submit and fall in line. So um, point number three, Jezebel proclaims a fast, indicating her knowledge of God-ordained practices. We know from last week's lesson, she was not a Christian, uh, but she knows Christianese, and modern Jezebels also know how to speak Christianese 
when it benefits them and they will do so for selfish gain. So again, she's using her words. She's using that camouflage. She's saying what she thinks needs to be heard so that she can get what she wants. Her heart is nowhere in it, but she's doing it to get what she wants. To give, you know, I want something from Mr. Greg, so I sweet talk Mr. Greg maybe about trombone stuff because that's what he likes. I don't know. To get out of him what I want from him. And it, that, again, that's wicked. And our, our point number four tells us that she flattered Naboth while she planned his death. She exalts him only to strike a greater blow. Modern Jezebels are avid flatterers using their tongue to manipulate and then extract what they want. You know, acting the part, giving you what you want, what I think you want, so that I can get out of you what I really want. You know, in Proverbs uh, chapter 7 tells us that the seductress flatters with her words. We don't want to be the seductress woman. The seductress woman flatters with her words. So we can label you Jezebel and a seductress if you're flattering with your words to get what you want. That's two dirty words you don't want to be called. You know, and the, that Proverbs goes on to call her an immoral woman. You know, as godly women, we want to be moral. We want to be holy. We want to be clean. We don't want to fall in any of these categories. So we have to make sure that we don't use our mouth. You know, the Bible tells us, we all know the scripture, life and death are in the power of our tongue, that we're using our tongue for good things to be honest with their heart, honest with the people that we're communicating with, and not just trying to sneak behind the scenes. You know, I'm giving you this pretty picture up front, but back here, I'm really working to get what I want. You know, I've got all my computers out, and I'm, I'm figuring, calculating, how can I say this to her, and say this to him, and say this to Miss Angie, all to get what I want. So, point number five says that, Jezebel shows a penchant for scamming, conniving, and manipulating to get what she wanted. And that word penchant, it's a strong inclination. She was strongly inclined to do these things, to scam, to connive, manipulate, all to get what she wanted. I think we can see that. And modern Jezebels are also good at manipulation, scamming, conniving, lying, deceiving, and beguilement. And that word beguilement is a good one. Beguilement is you only telling the part of the truth that makes you look good. You're not telling the whole story. You know, so you say, honey, I, I'm honest with you. I told you that, that I went shopping, but you forgot to tell the part where you spent over what you were supposed to spend. You know, just little things, only telling what makes us look good, not telling the whole story. Because sometimes the whole story shows your heart and what you were really doing. So we have to make sure that we're not in beguilement as well. Um, once a Jezebel gets their heart set on something, they will not stop until they get what they want. Jezebels don't know how to be content. You know, and again, we saw she had, she had no care for anyone else. She, she accused an innocent man. She wanted what she wanted, and it did not matter the cost. You know, and I think after the fact, after you, a tornado blows through, you see the destruction, you're like, man, that's a lot of destruction. So we have to make sure before we allow ourselves to become that tornado, that agitator that we talked about last week, that we check ourselves and say, Lord, you know, I, I want to help me to get this out of my heart. Help me to be okay with hearing the word no. You know, and, and a Jezebel doesn't have to be necessarily loud. She doesn't have to, to yell here. You know, she wasn't yelling here at all. She was probably making herself look all sweet and ladylike and, on the outside, again, 
making herself look a certain way, but on the inside, her heart really, really wasn't sweet and ladylike and lovely. She was scheming and, and trying to get what she wanted. So point number six tells us Jezebel accused Naboth, an innocent man, of blaspheming God when she was the one that was guilty of it. And modern Jezebels are also quick to accuse innocent people of what they themselves are guilty of. In this regard, Jezebels are grand hypocrites. You know, and I believe that Jezebels are grand hypocrites because they're so worried about everything that's going on, they can't keep to themselves. You know, Proverbs talks about the, the seductress woman, again, that she can't stay home. She's out in the town doing whatever because she's a busybody. She ha she's worried about everything that's going on because she wants to have her little hands on it. She wants to be in control of everything. Um, you know, she, she's not taking time to be worried about herself, but she can quickly see Miss Valerie, Mr. Greg, Miss Sarah. They have sin in these five areas, but she takes no time to judge herself. She takes no time with herself before God to see where she's missing it because she's too worried about looking at everybody else's flaws, finding them. Point number seven says, Jezebel sent letters in her husband's name, but the men that received them knew it was, uh, knew it was her, for when they had carried out her nefarious plans, they reported the success back to her, not King Ahab. Modern Jezebels have a reputation among leaders. She's not fooling anybody, though she speaks from behind her husband's voice. You know, and, you know, we talked, we mentioned just a few minutes ago that she doesn't have to be yelling to be a Jezebel on the outside. Guaranteed when she's at home and doesn't get what she wants, she's going to be yelling. You know, I, I, I've known couples where the lady is very sweet on the outside, seemingly so, very loving, very ladylike, but it doesn't take long at all to spend time around that couple to know that woman runs the show. She's way stronger than the husband, guaranteed at home when she doesn't get what she wants, she throws a fit. And if they've been married any length of time, she has probably trained him or he's learned how to avoid that screaming fit and just pacify the woman. Just give her what she wants up front so that there is no confrontation. There isn't that agitation that we discussed last week. But again, getting what we want is not always the best thing for us. The Bible tells us there's a excuse me, a way that seems right in our eyes, but the end thereof is death. The way we see things isn't always right. So we have to make sure, coming back to that morning prayer that the Proverbs 31 woman had, praying to God for herself, praying to God for her family, asking God to help her through her day, asking God to judge her, and worrying about what she puts her hands to, not what everyone else is putting their hands to. So our next verse here, says 1 Kings 21, 25, but there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred or incited up. Jezebel did not provoke Ahab to good works, nor to serve the Lord. She provoked him to rebellion and sin. As women, we don't want to do that. You know, I, I shared with you that I teach my Sunday school class that the husband drives the bus for the family. If mama's in, if there's just a mama, mama drives the bus for the family. And where that bus driver takes the bus, the whole family goes. If they wreck and they're in a ditch, the whole family goes. So as women, we've got to make sure we're not leading our husbands into rebellion and sin. We're promoting them to good works. 
We're not pushing the buttons that we know that they have because we're all flesh and we all have buttons. We know how to get under one another's skin, especially when you've lived with someone over a period of time. But that you're that loving woman, that Proverbs 31 woman that's encouraging, that's building up. You know, leave him little notes of encouragement. Send him a little card. Put him a little note in his lunchbox when you pack it that says, honey, I love you. You know, live for God. You know, you know, do all that you can for Jesus today. Preach him happy, whatever. You know, be a servant on your job. Be, in a, be a light to your workforce. Just encourage your husband and build him up so that he knows how to properly drive that school bus. You know, pray for him. Again, you're going to see flaws in your husband. You're going to see flaws, you know, as you work with your leadership in the church. The more closer you get to them, you're going to see flaws uh, on your job with your boss. You may be smarter than your boss on your job, but that doesn't give you a right to talk to them any way you want to. Pray for them. Pray that they can see things that you can see. Pray for an opportunity to humbly submit that to them. You know, don't run them down. Don't promote them to wickedness. And with that, husbands have a right to rebuke their wives. Just like a boss, if I work for Mr. Greg and I continually show up late to work, the first time he has a right to reprimand me. The second time he has a right to reprimand me. Whatever his policies are, I may get fired. So as a husband, you have a right if your wife is promoting sin in your home to squash it. You are the head of your home. And women, you have to be okay with that. Your husband, you know, just like if you were late on, on your job or you d called in, you were a no-show, you did, just didn't show up for work, you wouldn't get mad at your boss and say, oh, he has no right. Because you know he has that authority over you. Your husband has that same authority over you in the household. So modern Jezebels, we don't want to be that. They provoke their husbands to sin, complacency, apathy, spiritual lethargy, and hopelessness. Instead of breathing life and encouragement into their husbands to lead the way, Jezebels emasculate them, resist them, and even thwart their husbands' God-given ambitions. You know, if you have a husband that loves God, that wants to serve God, or maybe even just allows you to serve God, thank God for that. Pray for him. Pray that God would continue to bless him, to speak to him, to use him. God can speak to your husband better than you can. And he can get the message across better than you can. What you think you need to get across. You know, so thank God for all of the good things you have in your husband. And pray for him on a daily basis. I believe that's a stewardship as a woman is to pray for your family. And that includes your husband. Pray for him on a regular basis that he's protected, that he's safe, that he's healthy, that he hears from God. You know, God knows how your husband hears from him. He knows what your husband wants to do on the job, what your husband wants to do with your family. Pray that God would speak to him concerning those matters so that he would have God's wisdom in all the decisions that he does make. So next point here, Revelation 2.20, our scripture reads, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And there's a lot in this little scripture here. The first part, this is the Lord talking, saying, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, 
God calls her that woman Jezebel. He doesn't say my daughter Jezebel, the lady that you married. He says that woman, that woman Jezebel. It goes on to say she calls herself a prophetess. What did God just call her? <laughs> that woman Jezebel. He didn't call her a prophetess. He didn't even call her a Sunday school teacher. He called her that woman. You know, so we've been able to see she had no walk with God. God validates it for us right here. He doesn't say my daughter. You know, he goes on to say she has uh, taught and seduced my servants. She doesn't even, he doesn't even call her his servant. Not my daughter, not the one that called on me. God doesn't say any of that stuff about Jezebel. So he validates the fact that she has no walk with him. And just because we got born again doesn't mean we have a walk with God. We've got we've to understand that and live that out, that daily we have to have time with our God. We have to walk with him on a regular basis. So this woman, she taught Christians to sin against God because he calls them his servants. She's teaching God's people to sin against the, the one they called on for salvation. She's teaching God's people to sin against him. You know, and for us, for our lives, that could be here in the local church. That could be on your job. You're teaching people, you know, you're running your husband down at work. You're teaching your coworkers how to be a Christian, even though you're not acting like one. You know, you're teaching your kids how to sin if you're blowing up and sneaking behind your husband's back at home. Kids are sharp. They see stuff. You know, I had one that told me something in Sunday school, and I was like, oh, let's just keep on going about their parents. No, it wasn't a bad thing. Well, it wasn't a good thing, but anyway. <laughs> you know, they see things, whether you know that they do or not. You may have never discussed it with them, addressed it with them, but they see things. You know, they know what's going on, whether they fully know what's going on or not. You know, so this woman was teaching God's people to sin. Those are the people, the people you deal with on a regular basis. If you're acting like Jezebel, you can be teaching them by your lifestyle how to sin against God. And we don't want to do that. We want to promote one another to good works. You know, and uh, with modern Jezebels, you know, when for us in the church, when our heart is good, or, or even on your job, even at home, when your heart is good towards your leadership, you know, you're a blessing. You're like a fountain of water to all that you come in contact with. You know, you're encouraging them. You're talking good about them. You're promoting your leadership. You're for your leadership, whether, again, it's your husband, your pastor, your department head, your job, or your boss at your job. You're for them. But when your heart starts to turn, your mouth keeps going. And now you become a contaminated source of water. And you hurt people. And in the natural, when there's a contaminated source of water, whether it be a well or a spring, they shut it down. They close it off. If they know where the, the source is coming from, they shut it down. We'll see later, Jezebel's about to get shut down. And in our lives, we will too. You know, we may not get thrown from a tower like Jezebel's getting ready to get done, but, you know, God will be resisting us in our lives. We, we won't have his blessings. We won't have his peace. You know, we'll be shut down, and we don't want that. We want to be that good water that blesses all the people around us. Because, again, even if, if you're not, like, standing in front of people as a leader, you're not the boss on your job, you are still a leader to people somewhere. People are still looking to you, whether it's in the church, it's your children. You are a leader to someone. Now, you're not in the seat of authority. You never will be as a woman. 
but you people are still looking to you and we want to make sure that we're promoting them we're pushing them towards the things of god and not teaching them how to get around the rules so to speak how to look pretty on the outside and play the part but really just do what we want to behind the scenes we don't want to do that so point number one tells us that the new testament jezebel was illegally operating in the church of thyatira she was out of order Jezebels are still bringing their act to the church today. They don't just limit their rebellion to the home. And again, you're never going to have the seat of authority. So bringing that attitude and that into the church is only hurting the people that look to you because you're never going to be the one in charge. Now, you may be put in charge over something, but if you're a Jezebel, here you won't be um, put over anything, I'm sure. <laughs> but this woman, she was calling herself a prophetess, and she really thought highly of herself. Again, we know God called her that woman. <laughs> so point number two says she called herself a prophetess, but Jesus Christ called her Jezebel. Jezebels have the propensity to think they are more spiritual than the pastor and their husband. And, you know, when, when you promote yourself, you're asking for a fall. We know that with our heads, but sometimes we don't live that out because we think we know more than someone else that's in charge. So we're living contrary to what our head knows. We're acting contrary to what our head knows. Just like with Satan, he wanted to promote himself, he fell. And you know, as a woman, you are not designed to, to be the one in charge, so it's going to hurt you. You're gonna be stressed out, you're going to be worried about things you shouldn't have to worry about. You're going to be thinking about things you don't have to think about when that's not your role to play. If I try, you know, Mr. Luke's over multimedia. I don't think about multimedia unless there's a concern. I read his monthly report. I take it to pastor. But I don't daily worry about multimedia. That's not my job to worry about. If I try to get over that and take control of his department that he's been put over, I'm going to stress myself out. I'm going to let all of my other duties slip and fall, all while I'm trying to do what I think is the right thing to do. But that's not, my authority's not been given over multimedia. So in a sense, I don't care about multimedia. Now I do. I care that it prospers and does well, but I don't think about that on a daily basis. It's not my job to. You just, can you see, it hurts us when we take on things that don't belong to us. Other things, sacrifice. You know, we stress ourselves out. I would be stressed out. I don't know how he does his scheduling. I don't know anything about the camera, anything about the equipment that he uses, the software that he uses. I would stress myself out trying to take that on when that's, that's not been given to me. When we're given something, we're graced to do it. But when we steal it, there's no grace from God to operate stolen authority. So promoting ourselves gets us hurt. You know, uh, Satan couldn't do it. He wanted to be God. He couldn't, and neither can we. We're more free. We're more peaceful. We're lighter. We're not carrying the weight that, that we're designed to carry, not designed to carry. You know, yesterday I put together our little baby seat for our baby. It has a weight limit. If we continue to put her in there past that weight limit, we're going to break the seat. When we carry stuff that doesn't belong to us, loads that don't belong to us, we end up breaking ourselves. We can't function for God the way that we should. So point number three takes us, 
This Jezebel took it upon herself to be a teacher at Thyatira. Jezebels think they're smarter than everyone and always have a better way. If only I was in charge, I would do it better. And again, if it's not violating scriptures, it doesn't matter. Just do what you're asked to do. Your way isn't necessarily better. And, and even if it is, it doesn't matter. Just do what you're told to do. Point number four tells us that Jezebel is a seductress, which we, we said also talks about in Proverbs. Proverbs, it says the seductress house is the way to hell. We don't want that to be us. It says she casts down many wounded, she hurts people, and she slays people. We don't want that to be us. This kind of seduction, seduction is not limited to sex. A Jezebel will seduce people into doing what she wants. She will use flattery, guile, and all manner of cunning craftiness. She is even good at getting people to violate their conscience by using guilt and manipulation. And that's pushing your opinion off on people. You're trying to get them, what, get them to do what you want them to do, even when it violates their conscience. You know, the Bible says we need a millstone if we cause a baby Christian to stumble. That shouldn't be us as, as women of God. We shouldn't be causing baby Christians to stumble or even stronger Christians to stumble. The Proverbs woman, it talks about many of the men that she slay were, were great men. So she just wasn't causing babies to stumble. She was good at using her words. And many Jezebels modern today are good at just training their husband with a look. They can look at him and he knows, oh, I can't go there. Oh, I can't do that. The woman has trained me like a dog whistle. She just looks and he just sits. Yes, ma'am. I won't piddle on that pad anymore. You know, I won't go over there anymore. It's wicked. It's wicked for you to train your husband to do what you want by just a look. And you're not going to get taught. You're going to get taught that by the world. That's why we've got to have that daily walk with God so that he's dealing with us and changing us. And we're not you know, looking at our husband and making him do jump when we want him to jump. Here's a doggy treat. Jump, jump, jump. That's silly. All right. Other observations. Neither the Lord nor the prophet Elijah nor the unnamed prophets, and this is in 1 Kings 20, God's representatives. So none of God's representatives ever spoke to, dealt with, or even approached Jezebel concerning the leading and governing or defense of Israel period. She's not the one in charge. She's not the one God talks to. Ahab was not a good king. The Bible says so, but he still heard from God on a regular basis. Jezebel never heard from God. She wasn't designed to for those matters. Now she's designed to hear, to hear from God for herself and what she's authorized to put her hands to. God will speak to you about that stuff, but not about the leading and the making decisions. Again, that's where that grace comes. When you're ordained or when you're given that authority from God, you have the grace from God to do what he's asked you to do. So period, she wasn't spoken to by any of God's, God's leaders. Authority never dealt with Jezebel concerning Israel because Jezebel was not the God-ordained leader of Israel. Even on the day of her prophesied death, the man of God sent to slay her doesn't even speak to her. She never got talked to. She wanted to be God. She didn't want to walk with God. I'm not sure why she had a husband because she didn't want to be a wife. She didn't want to be a helpmeet. She wanted to be God and she didn't want to submit or ever hear the word no. She wanted what she wanted regardless. 
So what God says about Jezebel. 1 Kings 21, 23, And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the way of Jezreel. 2 Kings 9.37 says, And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung, doggy poo, upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. So God's saying there's going to be nothing left of her, nothing to remember, no place where you can go and mourn and think of all the great things that she's done. She didn't do anything great. There's nothing left of this woman, we'll see. Revelation says, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication. God always gives us space to repent. That's humbling to see how dirty this woman was. He still gives her space to repent. So we can always call on the name Jesus for help. But she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So he's giving them space to repent as well. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he that judges the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So her children will be put to death. Anything that she's produced, her hopes, her dreams, you know, any of the people that she taught to sin, the people that followed her, are going to be put to death. You know, and that's, you know, we live in the New Testament, but you know, our children won't necessarily be put to death, but again, we'll teach them to sin, and we know that the wages of sin are death. We know when we teach people to sin that there are consequences for that if they take hold of that and live that out in their lives. We don't want to do that. We don't want to teach God's people to sin. We don't want to teach heathen how to keep on sinning. So Jezebel's demise, let's read here. And when Jehu, and Jehu was the king that was anointed by God and commanded, he was commanded to destroy the house of Ahab. So he's getting started here. When Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it and she painted her face. I'm running low on time, but I do want to point out right there, she painted her face. She's worried about the outside. We know that uh, 1 Peter 3.3 tells us not to just merely worry about the outside, but it's the inside of our, our, the hidden man of our heart that's precious to God. Not how we fix our hair, not the jewelry that we wear, not the apparel that we wear, not how we look on the outside in front of everybody when we come to church, but the hidden person of our heart. Jezebel didn't know that because all she knew was how to fix up the outside and give people what she thought they wanted. So she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she, she said, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? And that man was a king that killed his previous king. And when the people found out he had killed the king, they killed him. So he was king for seven days. So she's taunting this man, saying, Did Zimri have peace when he killed his master? Basically like, do you really want to do this to me? Do you really want to call me on the carpet? So she's taunting this man. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? He didn't even respond to Jezebel. He didn't even acknowledge that she had spoken to him because he, again, is, God ordained, is God's ordained man. He, he doesn't fool with that. He doesn't even listen to her. Who is on my side, he says, Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs, and he said, throw her down. Never once responded to her, never once acknowledged that she had even spoken a word. So Jezebel, it's going to frustrate you 
when you're trying to get what you want and no one responds to you. It's going to frustrate you, but God's, God's men, God's leaders, men and women, aren't designed to talk to you. They're designed to talk to leaders. They're designed to talk to the authority. They don't have to answer your sin. They just preach against it. And this guy did it pretty tough. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. He ran over her with his horse. Never once even acknowledged she said a word. He was just on orders from God to uh, destroy the house of uh, Ahab, and that's what he's doing. She tried to pretty her face up, but that didn't matter. She tried to look good on the outside, but that didn't matter. Mm. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink. So he went in and had some lunch. He just had someone throw her down, ran over with his horse, so much that blood splattered up on the horses. I mean, she went splat. And now he's just going to go and have some lunch. Then he says, go see now this cursed woman. Well, that's what he calls her, a cursed woman. Because he knows God has sent him to destroy her. She is cursed. Because God said. She tried to say all the right things and do all the right things in front of authorities and make herself look good. But what does God say about us? Not what people say about us. What we say about ourselves. What does God say about us? So he says, go see now the, this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore, they came again and told him. And he said, well, this is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, in the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be dung, the, uh, dung upon the face of the field, because those dogs are going to eat her. And go to the bathroom somewhere. So that's what's going to be left of her is doggy poo. What was digested through the dogs. So in the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel. So that they shall not say this is Jezebel. Nothing left of her. She has absolutely nothing left to show for her life. Other than causing people to sin. And now they're going to be visited with death. Because she's taught them how to sin. We don't want to be that, ladies. It says, thus ends the reign of the most wicked female influence in the entire Bible. Don't be counted among her equals. There's plenty there to study. I apologize for going over church in 12 minutes. <laughs>